Well, it's a delight to be with you. And um, for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, my name is Steve Upple. I'm here with Esther, my wife, and we've been part of your uh, Fuel of Fire conference over the last few days. We've had a wonderful few days and uh, just a real sense of God's presence. And uh, I found myself saying that there's been a thread running through the entire weekend in a way that only God could orchestrate and do. So it's been really rich, and if you've been unable to make it, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the recordings and still allow the Lord to minister to you, uh, because there's been some rich revelations, some very practical things as well that have been shared. And then your pastor, Pastor Lawrence, is not feeling 100% this morning. In the UK, we would go, oh, but obviously you're not as empathetic <laughs> as we are in the UK. So, Father, we pause for a moment and we pray for Lawrence, even as he's resting his body, we speak strength to him in Jesus' name. We command every sickness or virus to leave his body and we command life. I thank you that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in him and I pray Holy Spirit give life to his mortal body in Jesus name and where he's weary and tired refresh him we love him and we pray that he would know strength flooding into him right now in Jesus name amen amen well I'm absolutely delighted to share God's word with you for a few moments we feel like when we come here we're home I have a few homes around the world. Uh, Esther and I live in the, uh, in the UK, in England, and uh, we're uh, based in a community called All Nations. Uh, but there's a growing family of connections uh, around the globe. And so often when I step in somewhere, it just feels like, oh, I love the people here, and we've got to know them. And God's done such a deep work in so many spaces of connecting hearts. And we feel that with yourselves here at Destiny. Our hearts are connected to Lawrence and Tracy in a very, very special way. And yeah, it's worth celebrating. It's God's kindness to connect us to his people. Everything God wants to get to us, he gets to us through a relationship. We are always better for staying connected. It's why the enemy works ever so hard to get us out of connection. We get upset, somebody didn't do what they said they would do, somebody treated me in a way they shouldn't have, there was a promise and it was not met. Whatever the reason, whatever the excuse, the enemy tries to use our brokenness to try and get us to separate from one another. But the Father always wants us to protect our oneness. Uh, Esther and I, in, in about two weeks' time, we celebrate, 10 days' time now nearly, we celebrate 27 years of being married, but it's, it's wonderful, but it's not been 27 years of just um, steadily growing more glorious. It's had its seasons. I mean, I've been pretty steady and good the whole 27 years, but Esther <laughs> has had to deal with some... No, she hasn't. We both have. What I'm trying to say is every relationship, every family, every church community relationships will be tested, we will have to deal with offense, discouragement, and disillusionment. And I tell you, the, the relationship only strengthens 
when you learn to talk it through, work it through, pray it through, and decide to stay together and move into the fullness of what God has. Every single time you do that, it cements even closer together. So you never let little things build. You keep giving them to the Father. You ask the Lord to deal with yourself. Sometimes you talk to other people. And so I say all of that just to say we value the relationships here. And I would encourage you, value the relationships within your world that God has given to you. And allow the Lord to show you which ones need nurturing and cultivating. Esther and I have been making a list because we, we have a lot of relationships. And we've been saying, right, when we get back home, we're putting all of these photos on a wall. We're going to start praying more regularly for all of these American family and friends that we have. And then we're asking the Lord for wisdom. Which relationships do we give more time to invest into and cultivate and the Lord will help you to do the same if you ask him. And your life becomes richer because of the relationships. It isn't stuff that makes you richer. It's the relationships that we have that enrich our lives. Is that true? Nobody on their deathbed will be saying, I wish I had the latest phone. I wish we could just recarpet the house. I wish we could remodel the back porch. On your deathbed, you're thinking about the relationships, hopefully thinking, I'm so glad for these people that surround me right now. And I'm hoping you're not thinking, I wish I hadn't held a grudge. Because people do. They wait right till the end and think, man, I should have paid attention to what really mattered. Wisdom is to pay attention to it now while you can do something about it. Amen. I hadn't planned to say anything about relationships, but maybe somebody needed to hear that this morning. Uh, I want to give you in a few minutes three invitations this morning. I'm going to give you three invitations. I told you this, I think, three years ago or two years ago. So I'm going to use a story I've told you before as a way of leading into it, but the message is new. So, But the story I've told you that back in February 2016, I had an email pop up on my computer, and it was an invitation to 10 Downing Street for a tea party with the Prime Minister. That's pretty cool. The only thing is the email looked like spam, and uh, it was asking me to click a button and enter some information. So I deleted the email because I thought, even though it would be a, such a cool invitation to have, there's no way the Prime Minister would be inviting me to tea. So I deleted it. I got home. Esther said, I had an email today. And it was from the Prime Minister's office inviting me to tea. And I was like, I had one the same. Somebody spamming both of us. <laughs> I left it two or three days. I went into my junk folder or my trash folder, pulled it back out, sent it to one of my colleagues and said, would you check if this is real? Like, if you, somebody's going to get spammed, if they're going to click the button, I'll let you do it. He did do it, and he came back to me and said, it actually takes you to the official government website when you click the button. So I did that. Esther did it. We did it. We filled in the form. We said we could go. We bought train tickets. We put on our best clothes on that day. We took some ID with us because we had to take ID to get into 10 Downing Street. And all the way there, I'm thinking, this is just a big hoax. It's somebody's going to laugh at us as we get there. And I say to the police officer, show them the invitation. They're going to like, we don't know you. 
But we got there, we gave our names, we were on their list, and we were ushered into 10 Downing Street, and we enjoyed tea in, uh, in the Prime Minister's residence. It was a cool kind of uh, day to do that, and I, I stood outside 10 Downing Street. I don't do this very often, but we, we took a selfie outside of the, the famous number 10 and just enjoyed the fact that we'd received such a prestigious invitation. Some invitations may get discarded. Some invitations you think you have to accept them, but you don't really want to. Some of you are like, yep, we've got family like that too. We've got to go. We don't know if we really want to go, but we'll go anyway. We should show our face. Anybody ever done that? Or is it just UK people? Out? Then there are others. You get invitations, and you're delighted to accept the invitation, and you feel honored to have been invited into that space. And I believe that this morning is very simple, but I'm going to give you three invitations from the Lord. I believe that as a church family, as destiny, you're on a great journey. You're tracking with what the Lord is doing. And this morning, the Lord is inviting you into three significant areas to go a bit deeper into what he has for you. Just before I give you the invitations, I'll set a bit of context. I think invitations are accepted well when we understand the time. And um, I look around the world around us. So just before I tell you what God's inviting you into, I want you to understand the world in which we live right now. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to give you about seven minutes on just understanding the world we're in, then I'm going to give you the three invitations. So three things I'd say. Our world has changed. This is not the world I grew up in 30, 40 years ago. Uh, Isaiah would say in Isaiah 5, 20 and 21, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. How many know that's happened in the world around us? We're calling good evil and we're calling evil good and it's gone crazy. I sometimes pinch myself and say, am I really alive in this world? It's gone mad. And I won't spend a lot of time in there, but there's a lot of hostility, a lot of anger, a lot of angst, and a huge amount of accusation. Very little tolerance towards each other. And I do believe persecution in our world is going to grow. So it's just worth understanding things around us will probably become more hostile in the decades to come. But I don't want you to worry, because I'm going to give you some invitations that are going to help you. Second thing I would say is, and it's tied to it, difficult seasons do lie ahead. Esther and I have, I think, a prophetic understanding that what we went through four years ago with the pandemic was the front end of a storm, and right now we're in the eye of the storm, but there is a back end of the storm coming. Uh, we've been feeling that for uh, a while, and then last week we were with uh, some f- new friends in Waco, Texas, and around the coffee table, he said exactly what we've been saying, and I was like, wow, that's such a reminder and a confirmation that even though it feels calm right now, I feel like there's going to be a ramping up of the spiritual pressure and the storms around us. Um, and so I think just being aware of it is helpful. I've been told that most people and most damage is done on the back end of the storm. It's not done at the front end, 
It's not done in the eye of the storm. It's done on the back end where the wind is worse. Now, you're in Oklahoma. You know this better than I do. We don't really have storms compared to what you have at all. And I won't read it to you, but Psalm 20, um, Matthew 24, Jesus lists out what's going to happen at the end of the age. The earthquakes and the famines and the persecution, um, the, the, the wars and rumors of wars and so on. So I don't want to read it to you, but it's there. Financial, political challenges, natural disasters, uh, wars and rumors of wars. We're living in it. And it's very easy to become uh, desensitized to all that's happening around us. You turn on the news, but because drip by drip, little by little, you've seen it increasing, it's easy to lose your sensitivity to the times in which we live. But I want to encourage you, you must have all your senses about you. You must have all your wits about you. You must stay fully awake. I like um, the season of teaching that you're in as a church. Is, is it uh, awake and engaged? Um, you know, taking the practices of Jesus, silencing the noise of the world, living with these spiritual practices or disciplines or habits of grace that help us to stay awake and engaged. It's aware of society. It's aware of the kingdom. We cannot afford to be asleep in this hour. And don't allow the, allow the constant drip-feeding of bad news to desensitize you to it. So you live in a bubble and think it's somewhere else. It's okay. You need to feel the pain of it. And you need to feel the alarm going off on the inside of you. And then you need to live at peace with the Lord. So you're aware, you're awake, you're engaged with Him, but you are not living unaware or dull. And then the third thing I'd I'd love to say, these are the most wonderful days for those who follow Jesus. So there's difficult days, there's challenging seasons coming, but I would also say these are the most wonderful days to be alive and to serve Jesus Christ. Like, He is moving right now. It's not just that the world is getting darker, the, the church is getting brighter. Isaiah 60 is really true. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth. Told you that. Thick darkness, the peoples. But the glory of the Lord rises upon you and appears over you. You could even take verse 3 and have it as a promise. Nations will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your dawn. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, it's dark, challenging, pressured, but the Lord says, you were born for such a time as this. And in that darkness, I am going to put my spirit inside of you. You're going to know who you are, who, what you're called to be, uh, your identity, and you're going to know what you're called to do, your purpose. I'm going to rise up in So we're not hiding somewhere. We're not going to be diminished. We're going to recognize that this is our finest hour. We're not hiding, we're not troubled, we're awake, we're alert, we're engaged, we feel the pain of what's going on around us, and yet we live in rest, and we hear the word of the Lord, you were born for such a time as this, but we must be ready. And so the three invitations I have for you, I would say they are three important invitations. They're very, very simple. The first one is, 
Just two words. Love first. It's an invitation to love. In Matthew's gospel, I I, I see the underwhelming response there. Because you're like, I want a better invitation. That's one of the invitations I'd like, oh, I don't know if I want that one. But our kingdom operates on this principle. It really is a kingdom of love. It was love that motivated the Father to send the Son to the earth to take on human flesh into a, into a womb of a teenager, born as a baby, frail, limited to a body. What motivated that? It was love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Our God is love. And so, with all our ideas of building church, building our business, everything that we think we could do, building our families, leaving a legacy, we are told in 1 Corinthians 13, if we do not love, we are nothing. You can speak many languages, you can tell mysteries that angels speak, you can amount masses of wealth, but if you do not have love, you're a resounding gong. In other words, a big noise and no substance. It clashes makes a big sound, disappears, nothing substantial left. We don't want to be those people. And so when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Matthew 22, 35 to 40, a teacher asks him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the prophets and the law hang on these two commands. I I know it doesn't sound sexy. Like, tell me God's going to prosper me. Tell me I'm going to have authority. Tell me I'm going to move in power. Tell me God's going to expand my influence. I get that. I love all of those things. I want those. But I'm telling you that love is the pathway to growing in authority. God will give increasing authority to the man or woman who walks in love. The ability to love the unlovely, the ability to grow in loving those who are hurting us, loving those in the church, loving those who are our enemies. Jesus could do that hanging on a cross, looking out on those that are spitting at him while blood is dripping from him. His life is ebbing away. They are shouting at him. They're accusing him. They're swearing at him. And love would say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Wow. What does the first martyr of the church do? When he's being stoned, he's done nothing wrong. Stephen, the first martyr... As he's being stoned, stones hitting his head, he's beginning to die. Heaven is opened. Jesus stands up to welcome him into glory. And Stephen the martyr, blood pouring down his face, about to lose his life. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge. Wow. I'll be like, Lord, strike them dead. Let them know I was righteous. I'm your man of power for the hour. But not Stephen and not Jesus. They emanate love. 
I believe our ability to love doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the Holy Spirit who's within us. It's in Romans 5, verse 5. Hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts. How could Stephen love like that? When he received Christ, the Holy Spirit put supernatural love inside of him. As he has done for every single Christ follower. And it's love that melts enemies' hearts. It's love that wins the day. I heard this story in South Africa. I heard this so many years ago. I can't remember all the detail. Two tribes that have been warring against each other. Many people had lost their lives. And they didn't know what they were going to do. And this 80-year-old white missionary is called to help bring reconciliation. And she's able to walk into the midst of these feuding tribes, stand between them as they're about to go back into warfare, and begin to love both sides. And love from her emanates both ways, and she's able to bring reconciliation. This is our gospel. In the hard, She didn't take, oh, these, these are better than them, these are better than them. Like, God's not really even interested in your politics. You remember Joshua? Whose side are you on? Are you on their side or our side? Joshua chapter 5, neither. I'm on my own side. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. We think, we think God's on our side. He has his own side. Now, he loves us. He's for us. But actually, he is supreme. And we join his side. He doesn't come to join ours. It's what Joshua learned on that day. You know, sword drawn, the captain of the army of the Lord's host standing there, and Joshua's asking, are you on our side or are you for them? Neither. Fall in rank. I have my own side. <laughs> and I think we, we just need a bigger picture of our king, a bigger picture of the kingdom, and love really wins the day. I want to encourage us with increasing darkness coming on the world, don't take sides unless it's the side of the kingdom. And don't confuse your side being the side that God's on. He has his own side. How, how do you grow in love? I know when I spend time with God and I spend time in his word, I'm, I'm a more loving person. And so relationship with God daily empowers me to walk in love. Realizing his love has been poured into my heart. So it's loving God. It's loving people. Bringing reconciliation and restoration where it's needed. You're going to need each other in the days ahead. You're going to need each other in this community. But the church in a city will need the rest of the church in the city. You can't just be isolated. Anyway, second thing I want to say. Uh, so the first invitation is to love first. It's, um, I wrote in my notes, it's a matter of heart devotion. Your heart goes that way first. I walk in love. If you're anything like me, um, I, can I make a confession? I hate doing this because you all think I'm a nice guy. But when people wind me up, I have thoughts like, you're winding me up. You're such an idiot. 
Why would you even say that? I don't say it, I think it. Anybody else? Right, thanks for helping me out there. I'm coming to the place where I'm saying, Lord, I don't even want to have those thoughts. I don't want to pass judgment. I want to think loving thoughts towards people. I want to see every person as you see them. So I ask the Lord, would you help me to see the world like you see it? Would you help me to see people like you see them? Would you help me to feel about them what you feel? And the more I've been praying it, the more I'm surprised it's working. <laughs> like my first response isn't irritation. It starts to be, I see them as the ones that God has created. And I see the beauty of who they are, even in their irritation, or even in their brokenness. Because we've all got brokenness. And we love the fact that God can see past our brokenness and call out our identity, but then he invites us to do the same. Anyway, secondly, I want to invite you to seek first. So the first invitation is to love first, which is a matter of heart devotion. Seek first is a matter of priority. Where are my highest priorities? We live in a world that gives us lots of options and lots of things that we have the potential to be passionate about. I'm going to read you a passage. Uh, do you like the Bible? So here we are, Matthew 6, verse 25. I'm going to read it to the end of the chapter. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is cast into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, or you a little faith? So do not worry saying, what should we eat? Or what should we wear? Or what should we drink? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But this is a key part. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a beautiful passage. Every human, this was 2,000 years ago, we are anxious about the same stuff. Where will I live? What will I wear? How will I handle 10 years from now? Have I got enough savings? What are we going to do here? And the Lord is saying, those who don't know me worry about such things. But you, you have a father who knows what you need. You mustn't worry about these things, run after these things, pursue these things. You need to come to your father. And instead of just saying don't worry, he gives them another priority to seek after. Because that passage could have been written a few ways. If, if I was Jesus, I might just say, you want to be thankful I'm not. 
But if I was Jesus, I could have said, don't worry. Your father knows what you need. He'll supply your need. So don't be anxious. And that's it. Could have, could have ended there. What Jesus said is that all your priorities you're seeking is going in this direction. I'm telling you, your father knows what you need. I want you to take that energy of pursuit, that focus, that seeking. I want to I encourage you, command you to put it on the kingdom. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Like, I don't know if you see. He could have just said, don't worry, God will help you. He doesn't just say, don't worry, God will supply. He says, don't worry, God will help you. But you take that energy and that focus and the priorities that you have in your life and pivot them all towards the king and his kingdom. He doesn't leave it in the neutral. He doesn't just say, hey, you need all this stuff. My, my father's going to supply it. You hear what I'm saying? So I want to ask you, are you seeking first the king and his kingdom, his dominion, his rule over your life? Is that a priority? I found myself the last few days saying it to the Lord again. Lord, I want you to be the greatest desire of my life. I want to pursue you with utter abandonment. I want to have my heart captivated by you. Not ministry, not growing a church, not trying to get through a sermon. Lord, not where will I live, not what will I wear, but actually I want to seek first the king and his kingdom. Hallelujah. Like, it's a matter of priority. Anybody else with me on that? Anybody else with me, but you drift quickly? <laughs> like, I'm there. Like, I was saying this, like, I, I felt like I had this encounter with the Lord about 10 days ago. I was in San Francisco. We'd done the worship. I'd planned a message, and I stood up, and it just, I didn't preach any of the message I'd planned. And it just, like, I wanted God, and he just kind of took over and and then Friday night here, it was the same kind of message. I kind of started to live in it a little bit. And I get to bed last night, wake up this morning, and I said, Lord, I, I lost focus on you yesterday somewhere. This is me being honest. I got back after the meetings. We'd had a good time. I knew my body needed sleep. I was tired, so I had a nap. I knew my body needed the gym, a bit of mobility and some strength training. I knew I needed food. And when I woke up this morning, I said, Lord, I, I, I felt like spiritually I was depleting as the day was going on. And I was unaware I needed you. Like, I'd had my quiet time. I'd been in meetings all morning. So now my body wants sleep. It wants food. It wants the gym. wants to go out for a meal, and I'm all good. But I'm realizing that, like, the, uh, the, the needle is going lower and lower. And I'm thinking, what, what is that, Lord? And as I wake up this morning, the Lord says, yeah, you were aware of what your body needed. You were aware of your stomach. You weren't aware that your spirit was crying out for me. And I, I said to myself, I've got to get that right. <laughs> like just even 30 minutes of sitting with open Bible and saying, here I am, Lord. I've given out a lot. Would you replenish me? I rest in your love. I turn my heart towards you. I want to encourage you, seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom with your time and the way you order your calendar. Seek first the kingdom with your money. 
very quiet there. I, I mean it. Uh, the Lord can look after you better than you can look after yourself. I know we're to be good stewards of our time, good stewards of our relationship, good, good stewards of our money. But actually, when I say I'm no longer in control, Lord, it's all yours. My time is yours. My relationships are yours. My gifts are yours. My money is yours. As he's Lord over it all, and I, I put it all towards kingdom first, he watches over me in a way I could never watch over myself. So question for you, uh, or you can ask this question later, how do I seek first the kingdom? What do you want, King Jesus? How do you want me to use my time? I, I, I say to him all the time, I trust your leadership. Everything I have is yours. I need nothing. I mean, I can't believe where I am in life today. I'm honestly just a little Indian boy from Wolverhampton. And I can't believe what God has done with my life, what I've got to experience, where I have been, what I have enjoyed. And I can honestly say it's just because my Father loves me and I have sought in a broken way to put Him first. I'm not the smartest person in the room. Most rooms I'm not the smartest person. That's quite easy to say. I'm not the wealthiest. I don't know how to make money. But I tell you, I've been places, done things, met people, been ushered into spaces that only as I've sought first the kingdom, the Lord has added everything to my life. Esther and I are deeply grateful that all four of our children love the Lord, all four of them involved in ministry. It's been beautiful to watch, and yet I could have thought I could miss it. We've enjoyed great vacations as a family. All of them, we could never afford when we booked them. <laughs> we kind of said, Lord, we'd love to do that. Would you help us? And he's helped us. And here I am. I know you won't believe me. Uh, first week in April, I'm 50 years old. You're supposed to gasp and say, no. You barely look 35. But I look back now, and I just say, Lord, it's true. I have been young. I'm getting a bit older. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. The Lord's faithful. He will look after you. He really will look after you. If you seek first the kingdom, if you say, Lord, with my money, I'm going to seek first the kingdom. With my time, I'm going to seek first the kingdom. In the way that I prioritize, there's no other idol. Sports won't be an idol. My work won't be an idol. My own social pleasure won't be an idol. I'm going to seek first the king and his kingdom. The Lord will honor you. And that's difficult to do in America. Amen. Like, pick your pet little idol, and they're all acceptable, maybe, and just put your money there, put your time there. Nobody's going to question it. Until you stand before Jesus one day, and then he might just say, I gave you all that time, I gave you all that money, I put gifts inside of you. It was for my kingdom. Okay, very quiet now. I still love you. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Third invitation is just simply go deep. That's it. So we're going to love first. We're going to seek first his kingdom. And we're going to go deep. 
And uh, I won't read it to you, but um, it, it'll come up on the screen maybe. Ezekiel 47, verses 3 to 5. Ezekiel is carried out. He starts walking in a river. The river's ankle deep. He walks out a thousand cubits. It's knee deep. He walks out another thousand. It's waist deep. Walks out another thousand cubits. And it's a river so deep that he can't touch the floor anymore. He has to swim in it. In other words, he goes deep and totally has to rely on the current and where the river would take him. And I kind of hear the Lord saying, anybody willing to utterly abandon all and go deep. So if loving first is a heart priority, seeking is, is a heart devotion, seeking first is about priority, going deep is about trust and hunger. And... Um, Again, if I won't read it to you because of time, but Philippians 3, at the end of his life, the Apostle Paul, he's planted churches, he's had visitations to heaven, he's cast demons out of people, he's raised people from the dead, he's had Jesus one time appear to him in person in a prison cell. Like He's had a phenomenal life. And at the end of his life, writing Philippians, he's in house arrest, chained to a soldier and he's writing the letter and he's writing I want to know Christ the power of his resurrection the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and he goes on to say and I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and I'm like Lord as an old man battered, bruised persecuted, having seen it all Near the end of his life, in prison, in chains, he's writing a letter and he's saying, I press on. I'm going deep. I'm hungry to know my Savior. I want to know Christ. I want to walk in the fellowship of his suffering. Wow. And most of us are so easily satisfied. I want to encourage you, be like Paul. Be like Ezekiel. Go deep. Go to the place where you're out of control, and it's just the Lord. You take me where you want. You do what you want to do. In, an, in the Beatitudes, the middle Beatitude, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I pray that we would have a fresh hunger, a fresh thirst, that we say, Lord, take all of me. Take every part. So I've just given you, and I, I've rushed, kind of ending this a little bit, but just very, very simply, three invitations. Love first. Make it like your goal to be a person who walks in love. And the Holy Spirit will help you. Seek first. In all your priorities and in all your options, put the king and the kingdom first. And then come into a place of utter abandonment. And so I'm going to trust you Unlock a deep well of thirst in me. I pray for that. I think almost every day, Lord, make me more hungry. Holy Spirit, escort me into deep things in God. I don't want to stay where I am. I'm really not content. Like I love God, I'm not agitated, but I am not content with the level of my thirst for God. I feel like there is so much to know of Him. I want to know Him. I want to walk with him. I want to say like the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's near the end of his life when he's saying it. 
I'm only coming up to 50, and I'm like, Lord, make me hungry. Do not give me a domesticated, palatable, nice Western American Christianity. Awaken a thirst in my heart for you. You can have as much of him as you want. And by God's grace, when I stand before you next time, maybe a year from now, I'll be hungrier than I am now. I'll know the Lord a little bit better than I do now. I want to encourage you, pursue him with all your heart. So I've given you an invitation. Anybody want it? So imagine I'm handing them out. I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if, if you're saying yes to that invitation, just like I pulled it out of the trash folder in my email, and I clicked the button, filled in the form, I'm just going to ask you, stand to your feet, and say, Lord, I accept your invitation this morning. I want to love I want to seek first the kingdom. And by your grace, I want to go deep with you. I want to be engaged, fully engaged, totally awake, no, no dullness. And so, Father, here we are. We stand before you. I know we have a, a ministry team. I'm not going to invite them forward just now. I feel like I'm to pray over you, if that's okay. We'll do it slightly different this morning. Just raise your hands where you are. The Holy Spirit is in the room. He's been working all morning. If there are any idols, anything that you wouldn't let the Lord touch, why don't you say, here it is, Lord. I don't want to hold that anymore. I'll give it to you. I surrender so, Father, I pray that would you pour your love afresh into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you give us courage to sell everything and buy the field because of the treasure in the field, to come after the King and His kingdom? Would you help us to swim into the depths of who you are? Father, we're saying yes. I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Lord, I recognize we're living in critical moments. And you are raising a radical army of believers who are utterly abandoned to Christ. And Father, I thank you that the people who know God will do great exploits. They'll be strong. I want to speak strength over you. And as you set yourself in the practices you've been learning, hearing this message to go deeper, to love well, and to seek first the kingdom, I pray for a grace in your obedience. And as you sit and contemplate what needs to be done, that the Lord will give you wisdom. And he'll give you the strength and the empowering to follow through. So I speak rest and hope and courage and strength to enter your heart in Jesus' name. You are loved so deeply. The Father has a plan for you that is bigger than you realize right now. So I pray that your eyes will be open. You would see who you are 
and you would see who he's called you to be. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Hallelujah. It will surely come to pass. Though the vision tarry, you will not delay. It will surely come to pass. Speak that over the dreams in your heart. I feel that for you, Mark. I feel it for you. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Though the vision tarry, it will surely come to pass. Just step out here, Mark. Let me lay hands on you. Just come here. Come on, keep praying. Keep surrendering. Worship team, you could even start singing something if you want to do that. And so, Father, I pray for every dream to come to pass in Jesus' name. I break off weariness. I break off fear, any disillusionment. I now pray for the wind of the Spirit to blow into Mark and Holly's life. Holly, you come as well. You're together. You're one. Into Mark and Holly's life. I pray for a fresh grace. I pray for the power of the Spirit. And Father, I pray that they would be marked by you as they, as they love, as they seek, and as they go deep. I pray that they would come into a fresh reality of the Lord. I pray that you give them wisdom in how to build the wisdom of wise master builders. In Jesus' name, I place grace upon you to live this next season well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord.